Do you guys know there's some rapper named Pooh Shiesty? <laughs> I literally saw an article today that was like, Pooh Shiesty gets an argument or some stupid shit, and I was like, this can't be real. Welcome to the Four Corners Crimecast. My name is Jake. My name is Katie. And I'm your host, Rory. And this week we are talking about Are Fairies Aliens? <laughs> so where did you do your very specific research for this, Rory? Uh, one of the books I read was Passport to Magonia by Jacques Vallée, an illustrated history of UFOs by Adam Allsuch Boardman, The Twelfth Planet by Zechariah Sitchin. I did some research at history.com forward slash paranormal history forward slash history of UFOs Ooh, I read and a fun video from archives.com about UFOs from like 1953 that had zero information in it, but it was fun to watch. Jacques Vallée is a noted ufologist. Yeah. Basically. He's kind of like, he's like daddy ufologist really <laughs> like. This book the father, yeah, in proper terms, yeah, okay, he's the father of ufology, basically, but he actually collected a whole bunch of stories for this book where he documents a hundred years of UFO alien encounters at the end of the book, but basically, the other part of it is like how amazing it is that we're living in a time where we can see folklore come to life where yeah it's kind of interesting because he compares it a lot to like fairies and how all this folklore developed over x amount of time and mimicked certain things that people see in alien activity and stuff like that so it's kind of like this living folklore that we can see and there are so many instances of so, so he thinks aliens are folklore no, but he does think that folklore may be a valid alien encounter you where, can't even question. Pe- where these things are happening over so much time that okay. they are bear- very similar instances and stuff like it that. It sounded like he was saying like, oh, look, the, f- the folklore is coming true and aliens are real, but I didn't believe in them until now. And Not I thought really. they were just tales. Okay. He just thought they were tales. Where's the hell? No, it's more like uh, you get to see where folklore kind of comes from. It kind of draws that parallel. And all he does is present evidence to this. He doesn't tell you to think a certain way. So I like this book a lot better, whereas Zechariah Sitchin and The Twelfth Planet is not a great book. I liked the one by Adam Alsuch. The one uh, the also... picture book? The picture book, yes. Thank you to my sister for getting me this book for Christmas. And actually, the illustrated history of UFOs that Jake used for research was a birthday gift from my sister. So. Oh, nice. Your sister's good at gifts. She gave me Visa money. <laughs> <laughs> I like Visa money. What can Your I say? Your sister didn't get me anything. Well, she, she wasn't into Eva? the gift-giving thing in 2020 because of the um Did pandemic. you hear that? Eva, I'm just kidding. I'm gonna put that in the next podcast. I make her favorite podcast, and she doesn't gift me anything. (laughs) Sometimes she sends us money, and I just keep it. I think she did. Okay, she did send us money for Katie's birthday, didn't she? Wait, what? No, no, she sent us money at one point, but I think we got shirts for your birthday. For t-shirts. Anyways, do you want to start us off, 
Once again, it's time for a dive into the fun world of UFOs, aliens, and high strangeness because this week, I, Rory, am taking over the airwaves and opening your ear holes to some ancient knowledge, some human history, our Anunnakian genetic makeup, the she, other various hobgoblins, fairies, and let's not forget the planet Nibiru. When you talk about ancient genetic makeup, Keep talk just about yourself, okay? Leave the rest of us out of this. <laughs> the first things we are going to discuss is high strangeness throughout history and the concept that our folklores may not be as fictional as once thought. Belief in fairies, old gods, pre-biblical belief systems, angels and demons are all just a different way to interpret what could be otherworldly encounters and can basically looked at in the same way as the current belief system around aliens and flying saucers. In Passport to Magonia, Valet connects some of the ancient fae traditions from Ireland and Britain with current knowledge of aliens and, present, and presents evidence that folklore may have just been the first round of humans assigning narrative to what is an alien encounter. So basically, just like back then, they didn't have as good a way to record it, so we don't have as good of a... Uh... Well, it's more of an understanding. So instead of seeing an alien, they would see what they conceive as a god. But since then, certain religions have overtaken large portions of areas, so people don't see them as gods, they see them as aliens. It's kind of just like a transformation of identity to fit with your culture. Is it mostly just our language advancing, basically? Now we have more words to describe different things that could it could be that too like there's there are many different things that this could actually lead into as to why this happens but i i think the idea that he's presenting is that this has been happening since you know the beginning since oral history began when people started telling stories of the first people in their land and shit like that and ways to explain the sun rising and sun setting the cavemen could have seen a spaceship and all they fucking did was make invent the wheel like, they're like, oh, round, rock round, well, we go to town. We will get to that, too, because that comes about later. That's more of Sitchin's thing. It's kind of a... A situational what? I think it had probably a lot to do with religion, too, like you said, because in the, the witchcraft era, I'm sure the term fairy was much more popular and fey folk was more popular than... Random shit from the sky. Oh, yeah. I mean, people carry their own (laughs) weird traditions all over the place. So in the book, Valet tells one story called Food from Fairyland. In this story, it tells of a man who reported an encounter that left him with otherworldly flapjacks. Like Like, literally pancakes? Yes. Better than Paul Bunyan's? I'm guessing because these are space Paul Bunyan's. Does otherworldly mean delicious or does otherworldly mean like... Uh, we got these in France somewhere. Did he eat them? He ate one of them. That's, don't do that. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm going to get it here. Let's hear it. At 11 a.m. April 18th, 1961, in Wisconsin, USA, Joe Simonton heard a noise coming from outside. He walked out of his front door to investigate and caught sight, and caught sight of what he described as a shiny disc brighter than chrome hovering above the ground. Is that... Cheese? Joe was further shocked to see a small ramp that led to the ground with three aliens at the top. You want cheese? (laughs) Joe goes on to describe them as about five foot tall, darker skin, black hair, wearing a black turtleneck and woven knit caps. 
They looked like Italians, according to Joe. Was that their physical appearance or how they were dressed? <laughs> their physical appearance was darker, short, darker skin, black hair. They wore like a, a, a woven knit cap. Like sailors, I guess. I don't know. Well, this was also the 60s. I think everyone knew more what Italians... There was probably a time period from like the 80s to the Sopranos where no one knew what Italians looked like. Well, yeah, and when you're in the middle of Wisconsin, I highly doubt he's ever seen an Italian before. And they stepped <laughs> off the spaceship, and he's like, oh, that's them? Is this how they normally show up? Uh, he looks like an Italian, <laughs> all right. He's all, huh. What happened to be carrying a jug? The little man with the jug indicated that he needed it filled with water. Joe took the jug, which seemed to be made of the same material as the spaceship, and filled it with water. When Joe returned the container, he noticed one of the other men had what looked like a flameless grill cooking up food. He looked in the ship and saw what appeared to be panels of dark metal, dark material, like wrought iron. He looked around the ship and figured with the, with the instrumentation it must be some type of airplane. I just but, see it like a Waffle House that just landed in the middle of his field. <laughs> doing flat, or they're just flipping waffles. They're making pancakes. He indicated the man cooking... And the like, I guess they had some sort of exchange, and the little alien handed him three cookies, about three inches in diameter. He was trying to ask him if he wanted cheese. How tall was this guy that he thinks five foot is like this tiny, and they eat many many food? <laughs> like, I don't know how tall he is. Andre the Giant. I'm assuming he's Wisconsin, so he's probably like six four. Oh like yeah, he's a big two, old boy. Two sixty. Yeah. But he keeps, like, they're tiny men, and then they hand him tiny little cookies, and he thinks they're just, like... Well, at this point, I'd be a little weirded out, so, I mean, but he, he took a bite. He ate one in front of him and kept the other two. That's polite. Yeah, because yeah. you got to think about it. If you don't eat it, you... Well, he doesn't sound like he was actually really, really frightened by this at all. But if you're really interacting with aliens, that's why it almost seems made up. But if you're interacting with aliens, you got to be a little bit, like, cautious. So you got to eat what they give you. The three men then hurriedly closed up the ramp and compartments, hovered about 20 feet off the ground, and launched to the south, narrowly missing some trees as they went. Sheriffs showed up to Simonton's house and had a normal, average conversation. The sheriff, having known Simonton his entire life, stated he believes fully that this interaction occurred. Did he believe him? Yeah, I mean, the guy was absolutely within his mind. He said it was just a normal conversation he believed fully that this had just happened so anyway they confiscate the cookies i'm glad and, I ate uh, one. <laughs> yeah so the u.s department of health education and Welf welfare took two of those cakes that had been cooked up on a spaceship and ran some tests on them joe had eaten one and said you know kind of tastes like cardboard but That's... nonetheless the u.s government wanted a full analysis of what it was they probably asked him let us know when that comes out we'll come get it right no. No? That's a full analysis. But you want to know what it really was? Yes. It, it was a normal pancake of terrestrial origin. Joe made them himself? That's what they think. But, uh... <laughs> Why did he make them so tiny? This dude got blackout drunk and made pancakes <laughs> and, and then, then woke up, up in his field. front yard holding some pancakes. <laughs> and he was like, he had a dream about Italian men and it just warped into something... Like I had Wild. a dream that there was Waffle House in my yard. Yeah, I don't believe this. I'm sorry. Well, I don't believe it either. Valet goes further and asks, where did it come from? And claims, at the time of the book, the Eagle River incident still remains unsolved. We just solved it. 
<laughs> Where did it come from? Was he alone? Did he have a wife or anything? No, he was alone. Lived out in the boonies. Was a farmer. <laughs> fucking convenient. He was just drinking Wisconsin moonshine. Oh, yeah. Got he went blind for like out. 30 yeah. minutes and then corn just woke liquor. up. I think it's the corn liquor out there. One of the things I wanted to look at next was some of the old traditions and English folklore surrounding the she, fade, fairies, whatever you want to call them, regarding food. So are those all the same thing, technically, just with from yeah, different I mean, regions? So, yeah, they are. as far as I can tell, you they're interchangeable um, depending on what kind they are. I guess they are, are all different. There's different types that encompass different things. Like uh, Gendry are the folk off of the island of Scotland. The, uh, the Anunnaki are Sumerian gods. Like, it's... They all have, like, folklore, but, like, fairies, fae, the she, that's what they're known as throughout Britain okay, and, like, Ireland and things like that. So the good folk, the fair folk, whatever you want to call them. They're always good, too, right? Like, No. No? No. no. Fairies bring bad tidings? No, they're tricksters, and it is well known never to eat while in fairyland, because once you have eaten in their realm, you can never eat food from our world again. And you are trapped there forever. I'd be fucked. Yeah. I ended up fucked and stuck in fairyland. <laughs> and if you were to escape, it, it wouldn't matter because you would gain no nourishment from the foods that you had once eaten. Now, the opposite is true if you don't accept food from the she, the fairies, or what have you in our realm. Uh, according to folklore, the fairies are prickly folk with customs observed over thousands of years. And it's rude to not eat what is offered you or given what is offered you in case food may be scarce for other creatures or animals. Which is why Joe ate that one of those pancakes, right? Yeah, of course. I mean, oh, he knew cardboard. this. <laughs> Old tales and scat. <laughs> what does that say about Joe's cooking? That know, he just right? made them. <laughs> he made <laughs> shitty pancakes. He said, maybe if I make it's them terrible. It's probably just flour and water. Uh no, they, it was actually like pancakes. They went through and listed the whole thing. Was, was it like Bisquick? No. Pancakes? No, but it was like homemade pancakes. It was like flour, soy, things like that. Well, I didn't mean to derail us back to Joe's Pancakes, but I've got them in my, on my mind now. There's a restaurant here called Joe's Pancake House. I wonder if it's aliens. Old tales in Scotland are told of two men who wished for a drink the side of a fairy mound as they heard the sound of butter being churned. You want some cheese? <laughs> A little woman in green appeared with milk for both men. The one man drank deep and thanked the woman. The other refused because he did not trust her. The first man was rewarded for his trust. The second man was cursed. It does not matter now if you need a drink. In a year, you will never need another. And in a year, the second man had died. And you want to know what the, you want to know what the first man wished for? What? To not be able to drown. Okay. Yeah. What year was this? Oh, this was 18. This was... In way, well, actually, no, this is way early times. This is... Yeah, this is folklore. So this... he will wish to learn how to swim. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> so she took it offensively that he didn't trust her and she cursed him. Yeah, they're, they're prickly folk, my friend. That's backwards of most parables and fables, you know. You don't trust the stranger. The stranger smites you down. That's what, what happened. That's what she did. Yeah, that's why the other guy trusted her. And she didn't smite him. She gave him a reward. Yeah. It's backwards. You can't trust the stranger. 
Well, when you make a wish with the fairy, you should always keep your compact. Oh, I forget that they made the wish. Yeah, they wished for a drink. How do you wish on a fairy? You find one on a fairy mound, apparently, churning butter. Oh. And you just like, bitch, give me some of that milk. And she... <laughs> Everything I've ever read is basically don't ever trust any sort of oh, fae. Oh, no, that's the horrible whole thing. creatures. You never want to get involved with them. But you want them to owe you a favor. So. But you have Ooh. to just don't get involved. That's like if you... So yeah. if you find a little fat kid about to pluck their wings off and you walk up and punch that fat kid in the face... That fairy owes you a favor. Ten bucks, though, if both of these guys would have drank it, they would have both had bad luck. Like, because that's how it works. Because so the fairy would have been pissed the one, one guy of them was like, and one of them failed. She was like, yeah, yeah. He's, one guy's like, oh, hell yeah, I'll drink that. And like, yes, bargain well struck. And the second guy was like, no, I don't trust this goofy green lady. Get the hell out of here. And she was like, oh, yeah? Well, it's not going to matter because I curse you. You're going to die. This guy gets a wish. This guy knows how to swim. <laughs> I feel like they both... Either way, had bad luck because it was the 1800s. I think it was before that, actually. I think it was. So that's even worse prior. luck. Why wouldn't you just wish not to die? Well, okay, so he these. Did, okay, so. <laughs> they're drowning the number one death that year. They're like people falling down wells. The people that compiled these stories of traditions and folklore and stuff like this are monks that used oral history and things like that to write these things down. So it's kind of like third-party encounters twice written over thousands of years. So he could have wished for something besides learning how to swim? Yeah. It could have been more serious? Yeah, it could have been like uh, new shoes or future. <laughs> it got changed into learn how to swim <laughs> Yeah, over all of these hundreds of years. Don't well, they normally look relatively human, too, so they're able yes, to trick you easily? Yes, there are also ones that are basically humans. That's, that's basically what all of Shakespeare is all about. But let's continue on. Another story is told of a young Irishman during some troubled times when an old small woman came to the door. She asked for oatmeal. The young man was embarrassed that he did not have much and offered her potatoes instead. She claimed to only need oatmeal. He gave her all he had, but the next morning awoke to find his oatmeal holder overflowing. So this this was also in the book as like a, like, okay, so you can trust these people. Like, they will give you, if they take something from you, they will give back to you, you know? But my question is, why the fuck did she need to ask him for oatmeal? Exactly, if she could just, she could just make oatmeal. it? Yeah, like, That's what I was thinking. It's a test. The Thude Dunan is another possibility for aliens in Irish tradition. These are where Rory's stories come from. Yes. Because you're a ginger. The Dunan were a race of godlike, quote-unquote, people that ruled over the pre-Celtic Irish island. They were tall, light-skinned people with fair or red hair, blue or green eyes, that rode in on flying ships. Now my question is, are these Nords? Does that make all gingers relatives of space aliens? Yes. How does this connect with uh, the rest of the story that we're going to tell? I'll answer that one. So they looked like, were the ships on water and they looked like they were flying? I <laughs> No, they were flying ships, Katie. They flew in the air covered in, like, black clouds. Well, see. Go ahead. Here's the thing about it is that that's the original story. And throughout many, 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 many retellings of it, it's been diluted down to where they say that it was 
uh, like ships on water. Like, actually, really, it gets all the way diluted down to it was just ships on the fucking sea. Yeah, and these are literally just Nordic explorers. Yeah, have you guys ever seen the pictures where if a ship's really far in the horizon and the the light is for refracting correctly, it literally looks like it's in the picture inches off of the water? That's what I'm thinking of, because more than likely that's what happened. The sun was just right, and they were like, oh, it's flying. And then just fucking Carrot Top stepped off, and they were like, we bow to you. (laughs) And I have a hard time believing that there weren't already gingers in Ireland at this time. Well, they were the dark-skinned black Irish. Yeah, the black Irish. This is where the real Irish stepped in. This is like long, long time ago. This is long ago when the Irish were just angry bog people with yeah. cudgels that basically were wearing wolf pelts and screaming at the moon and things like that. What's a cudgel? A cudgel? Yeah. It's a, a knotted stick. See? Wow. So do you think this is early evidence of contact with other worldly no. creatures? No? No. I wish it is, though, okay? Because I really appreciate the thought of it. Okay, what do you think? Do you think Joe got his pancakes? Or- no, I think Joe straight up just blacked out. After a night of very heavy drinking and made himself pancakes and woke up in a field and was like, hmm, something happened. It is so hard to argue with Katie's theory of that, but I am going to say that I, I think Joe's a real down-to-earth guy. And, you know. I just wonder, why would they need water? Where would they normally get water? Have you never made pancakes? Yeah, Katie. They literally stopped down to get the water. They needed a whole jug of water, and then he didn't see them mix it. He just saw them cooking, so what... Because he was drunk. I assume that aliens, when they're in outer space, don't... They have a different way of staying hydrated. They don't need to take tons and tons of gallons of water on their ship with them, and then they're like, oh, we run out. We just need a jug. Maybe this jug was this much water, Katie. But here's the thing. They were five feet tall. They were not that short. It's you not like even, they were this big. You can't even understand how far they had to go to their next stop. Why would and maybe they... they wanted to make pancakes on the way. So they're intelligent enough to make spaceships, but they have to stop. They don't know how much water to bring with them. Maybe their water or maybe their purification system was down and they just needed some water. What if they were banished by the actual federation that they belong to and so they can't return to any friendly cities or skies to refuel to get water and fuel so they stop into places where extraterrestrial contact has not yet been made? If they had some form of purification system, they would not drink our water. No, obviously. Especially from Joe in the middle of bumfuck nowhere, Wisconsin, (laughs) who has no way to get super clean purified water i believe that joe may have experienced something that he couldn't explain explain so he used it as or put it in a way that he could explain it because the book goes on to further incidents where like there's this guy driving through there's this i can't remember army dude driving through cedar city utah and he's sees something that looks like it's crashing out of the sky. And so he pulls over the side of the road, leaves his lights on, but leaves a note on his door. It says, uh, saw a plane crash, went to check for survivors. What? And he was found in a field an hour after that because 20 minutes later, a state trooper just happened to be driving past and saw a big sign on the back of his car that said stop. Got out and read his note and went searched the fields and found him passed out there just 
repeating over and over, are there any survivors? Are there any survivors? And he was then in a coma for like two days, woke up and tried to go back to base, but kept like having extreme migraines and things like that. He had an alien in his head? That's what they're thinking. So like when one part of the book, they do describe what could be like alien encounters where people don't remember what happened or experience something other than what may have happened and build up a whole like narrative this was just a plane crash so you think that joe experienced something he couldn't explain and so he made pancakes and i don't called think the police? i think i think some hippies literally just rolled some little italian hippies just rolled up within the back of their van joe was a little bit drunk the dudes rolled out needed some water to make their pancakes looked inside shook his head said yep that's a spacecraft looked over and the dude handed him some pancakes and said right on thanks for the water they zipped out whole interaction took maybe seven eight minutes but i, I think, think he created his own folklore around it i think that this whole fucking thing is just a big huge story that he made up to mask how much he fucking sucks at baking pancakes and i guess they were pretty bad pancakes terrible didn't pancakes. say they tasted like cardboard the next part we're going to talk about is the more annoying of the two parts i'm going to go ahead and say because this one kind of gets kind of old when you're reading it um but uh zechariah sitchin is a pseudo archaeologist that nobody takes seriously within his own work community he wrote a series of misleading interpretations of ancient Sumerian texts that link the Anunnaki, ancient deities from the Middle East way back when, the Mesopotamian era, with space aliens that visited the planet to mine gold. The aliens revolted due to poor working conditions and were given directions to breed Homo sapiens as slaves to work the mines. The Anunnakians that had been on the planet were nothing but low-level workers, and before it became uninhabitable during the Ice Age, they fucked off back to their home planet of Nibiru. Now, the thing with Nibiru is that it's the 12th planet in our solar system that is on a 3,200-year elliptical orbit around our sun that somehow intersects Neptune's orbit and will only get close enough to Earth for invasion once a cycle. This is the foundation of the ancient astronaut theory that uses ancient cuneiform biblical translations and man-made structures across the world as proof that aliens are regularly visiting earth all i got out of that was that they left us the gold fuck yeah <laughs> well i wouldn't say every 3200 years is regularly <laughs> <laughs> well okay so this is how this guy justifies it so in in the beginning you see like these periods of humans flourishing in various parts of the world and then points out that at some point human life starts to diminish as far as civility and things like that. And then all of a sudden in Mesopotamia, there's this great growth and explosion and when we learned how to advancement and we learned how to farm and all of these things were taught to us by visitors that had returned. So like humans hit this, this peak and can't get past it. And in fact, start hitting the other side of the slope, but then aliens visit and bingo, bango, let's tango, we're back on the top. That's not what the Bible says. Well, actually, he uses, okay, so Sitchin uses multiple snippets from various sources, including the Bible. 
The Holy Bible or just the regular Bible? Well, it's actually the Hebrew, the Bible translated from Hebrew or something like that. Oh, he's trying to be OG with it. Yeah, so he goes OG with it. Uh, uses the Old Testament and parts of the New Testament. But he informs the reader to not look at certain texts as theological writings, but rather scientific writings. So Ooh, just it's... disregard that it's written about people that are gods and you know, have different powers and things like that. Just and take it for, like, literal terms? And take it as if you they were talking about something scientific and not gods, but actual space aliens. So, <laughs> so aliens hate gay people? Yes. Well, he then builds his proof further on truncated versions of, of history, picking errors of slow human progress and assigning them to periods when there weren't people from Nibiru here. And oh. then he goes one step further to show that periods of cultural expansion as times when man was pushed further by these ancient visitors. So they're only able to come here once every 3,200 years. Yes. So when was the last time they were here? Because it sounds like they were here quite often a long time ago. Well, yeah, they, they still have. We haven't seen them in a while. But I guess the last time they'd be here would be like the end of the Egyptian empire, I guess. But they were, Mesopotamian society wasn't 3,200 years before Egypt yeah, but started it was, building pyramids. It was many, many, many more years before that is what I'm saying. Like, th th we're talking about pre-Greek, pre-Egyptian culture Mesopotamia. Like, people that figured out how to make wool into clothes. That still wasn't 3,200 years. It was 30, maybe... 3,200 times 10. What came first, the wool line like, jacket or the wheel? What? I don't know. But we're talking about, like, first societies and things like that. That would be Mesopotamia, like the, the cradle of civilization type of thing. Like middle of uh, Iran, Persian Empire type stuff. General I South. still People, don't know if that was 32, 3,000 years. Yeah, that was more between, like... No, there's more like... Yeah, there's probably 3,000 years between Mesopotamia being the cultural hub of the world and Egypt being considered the next highest. Interesting. Hub. I feel like his timeline's still fucked off. So. Well, his timeline may be fucked off. If you want to get... If you want to read this book and get lost in gods from ancient culture ancient cultures and how humans are nothing but ape slaves of a far advanced race you can read through the 500 plus pages of pseudoscience using poor interpretations of convoluted misplaced text or watch planet of the apes yeah i mean there are multiple books in this series that expand on this but i i think i, I only want to stomach one it's not good you can only drag yourself through one of them yeah, skip it. Read Passport to Mag Magonia. Uh, it doesn't really offer an answer, but it does point out what makes studying phenomena like UFOs and alien encounters real fun is that it's like modern folklore springing up as we watch. Like you can see connections with the past. And Especially shit. with how they're like uh, disclosing stuff these days. Oh, yeah. Opening up the files, letting anyone read it, seeing the Bigfoots. Well, yeah, that's why this guy's work was pretty pretty fucking important because most of the rest of uh, passport to magonia after they get through their whole like 
oh, maybe this is something that we can see in real time now so we can understand it better because we're seeing it with UFOs. Uh, the rest of the book is literal UFO alien contact for the past 100 years, but the best bits are the connections between ancient legends and modern mythology and how it may not be a new thing to see aliens and that if current encounters have any validity that maybe the stories of like the fey folk and the she are just people's way of coping with the unexplainable and that we have now attached in our day and age something that suits our narrative a little better that it's aliens not like ancient Not gods fairies. and things. Yeah, gods, deities, tricksters, whatever you want to call them. Throughout multiple co cultures, angels, demons, uh, goblins, hobgoblins, gentry, fair folk, whatever you want to call them. There's descriptions from all across the planet. of. So, so this is really broad. This isn't like specifically like targeting any... So I think it's interesting how Valet and Sitchin have like completely opposite ways of thinking, basically, that Sitchin is like, no, everything that exists is aliens, and Filet yeah. basically says that there's multiple, I guess, things that could be out there, because doesn't he believe in the different, like, alien types and yeah, races he, and whatever the fuck they call it? Yeah, I, he does, but with this, though, I think this was, like, the first thing that most people picked up back then when this was a budding science i guess is the study of ufo phenomena and in this book he doesn't really go into different styles or races this is just him saying this is what i understand and this is what i see and this is what makes this like a cultural phenomena that people should start to recognize and people are recognizing more so neither of them really get into like Aliens living amongst amongst us. Well, Sitchin believes that uh, Anunnaki blood flows through people because as we were Homo erectus, something changed, and that change was introduction of Anunnaki artificial insemination into our DNA that then created Homo sapiens, and Homo sapiens are just the evolved slave class of Anunnaki and Homo erectus. Does Sitchin ever explain why aliens would keep us as slaves? Uh, yeah, what to mine that? gold. We are like, gold miners. Gold is very important in their culture or whatever the fuck he said. They only so come when do we and give them the gold? It? Yeah, when do Every they... Every 3,200 years? Yeah, apparently. Well, apparently they may have taken most of it anyway. Everything that they yeah, needed to because like... they haven't come, shown back up. Do they know that Tom Cruise is still here? Well, here's the thing that pisses me off the most is that everything I've read about this man is that he half translates, fits his own ideas of what something could mean, takes small sections of the Bible or whatever document he's using to fit his own narrative into everything. So he could take six to eight words from the Bible, <laughs> string them together, then take eight words of a cuneiform Sumerian translation that he did, combine them together and see like, see, this is how this relates and this is what happens. And we were just slave people and all these flying 
god deities are actually just aliens and that's why across the world we have pyramids and things like that and it totally just demolishes the thought that human beings are capable of higher thought or anything like that like so why would if we've been controlled by the same aliens for this long what caused us to go from greek mythology where there's dozens of gods to one singular god well it's the same way the sumerians believe in multiple gods too there's anu and anunnaki and so what caused that major shift from all of these gods and all of these different cultures to just one singular there's God, and then there's the Son of God. Oh, do you have a minute? I could tell you about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I just don't understand how we went from when we're being, con- quote-unquote, controlled by the same people, and well, all of our is... gods are based on those same people. How did we shift from such a large, diverse God? Maybe they to... haven't come back, Katie. I, I don't I don't know. I just I feel like he should explain that. Like, is there one specific alien that rules us more so than others now? Yeah, it's the Anunnaki. Yeah, but it's not one. But they don't they don't control us. But they're not controlling us at the moment. This is the free reign of humans, and at some point they are going to come back. So, will our belief system? Because I mean, if you look at it, there's that huge, massive time period where we believed in so many different gods and goddesses. And that would make sense if we have a lot of different, quote-unquote, aliens visiting us and controlling us, and we're seeing them and thinking that they're gods. Well, yeah, there's, but then they're different people. They're, they're many people of one culture, so they can all be different styles or different things like that. They can look different. Yeah, but so we thought they were god when they visited us, or gods, and now we there's just one god, and we'll never actually see him. I just don't... Maybe they've dropped the... Uh... A uh, number of people that need to control the world. So there's just. Uh, What's his email? I- I'm not sure. You can't get it by email. You have to go find a little hill and <laughs> listen for him turning butter inside. <laughs> it's uh, anunaki at aol.com. It just seems like such a massive shift in our belief system mm-hmm. as a race. I think it's basically. Anunak yourself. <laughs> <laughs> And then the mama said, knock you out. To basically be that things haven't changed with them and what they're really doing to us besides pushing us to go a little further, like technology wise. But then, well, there are some. Oh, there's only one God now. Well, I don't think there are. There isn't just one God now. Well, no, there's a bunch of different religions, but they all circulate around one God, is what she's saying. Well, I can't, I don't think, I don't think this man took into account the movement from uh, monotheistic religions to uh, polytheistic religions. Uh, I don't think he covered that in the book, whether or not the movement from one singular God to, or from multiple gods to one singular God is really anything other than the it people just, that believe in one singular god are obviously wrong and they're it just worshiping doesn't make sense thing. because that's how he explained gods was that they're aliens well just this certain group of sumerian gods he's not even covering a whole vast like swatch of gods like so it was the, only those gods ancient, but like no, the greek okay, gods so and goddesses I think, are nothing I think this is where we got cut off uh, cut off because there is this is the founding theory of the uh, ancient alien theory where they believe that 
ancient visitors here are responsible for such things such as Egyptian gods and Sumerian gods and Mayan gods and things like that. That that's like the foundation for it is this Sumerian covering Anunnakian theory where the planet Nirubu is where they're from, that's where they live, but they're actually these people that were worshipped as gods, but they're actually aliens in this one culture. And that evolved into the uh, ancient aliens, ancient astronaut theories that where people are like, you see the Mayan temples? These are, you know, 5,000 years old. And my God, they're way advanced for this time and age. It must be aliens. This book is not based on, it's based on what this guy believed, not this new common thing kind of built around it. But this was, this guy was the first to kind of use a half-ass archaeology to support claims of a, an ancient race of alien slave masters. And this is his theory. And well, it's stupid. It's very stupid. It's just super annoying. I mean, there I know there are a lot of people out there that are really into this. I mean, the guy wrote like 15 fucking books. I just don't understand. I mean, sure, it can explain thousands of years ago, but I just don't see how it would still fit today with anything that we now believe in and know i don't think it does i mean but people still believe in it people still think that these that there is a race of aliens that lives on the planet it was as late as like 95 some woman predicted that the end of the world would happen because the planet nibiru would clash into earth and shatter it in the year 2003 they then pushed that off to 2012 to end with the mayan calendar because they believed that mayans were influenced by the Anunnaki that lived on the planet Nibiru. But if we're their slaves, why would they want to destroy Earth? Well, they didn't mean they to. Their planet was just in a trajectory. Yeah, their planet's in a trajectory, but by that theory, it would be like every 3,200 years we have to worry about it. So we would have to know when they came last, which they probably don't exactly tell us. I don't think they ever came here. I think it's just the way religious religion kind of forms. This yeah, is a way I mean, to control a population, and when you have control of a population, you are allowed to make advancements as a population. I mean, that's just the way it is. Like, instead of being free-roaming hut people, we become a city or a oh, reliant yeah. village. And you go to church on Sunday. Or whatever. You will give goat sacrifices to winged people from space. Well, those that doesn't really, like, drive the machine. Going to church on Sunday sets up your society, you give them the money the church they 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 take your money we haven't been doing that for very long though and they rape your children they do all of those things so do we have any uh ancient god blood flowing in our veins do you guys believe any of that no i don't believe any of this i believe that you do <laughs> wow katie <laughs> cold but i think i, I like jacques Vallée's kind of more attitude towards i'm not going to tell you what to think i'm just going to present evidence to you and you can read into it oh, i really just Katie's like style at all i just like the way he he did a good job it reads kind of like a textbook at sometimes but the comparisons that he makes to folklore from britain and ireland's real fun so here's the thing though if he's trying to explain folklore with aliens would aliens not be considered folklore well, yes. Okay, so I guess so there would be... So it's all just folklore. None of it realistically is real. Yes and no. 
all of it could be real is the is the point yeah i think it but like if aliens so what if in a hundred years we find out there's something else are those now going to explain aliens fae etc we're just gonna keep saying oh this new folklore is now well that's explains all this folklore what if in a hundred years so we've never once encountered an alien but people have these stories and then 150 years after the fall of society, we are told folklore and tales about places. All right, Rory, is that going to do it for us this week? Yeah, it is. And guys, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to send us an email at fourcornerscrimecast at gmail.com. That's F-O-U-R cornerscrimecast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash fourcornerscrimecast on Instagram at fourcornerscrimecast on Twitter at Four Corners Cast and at Four Corners Crimecast dot com dot Tumblr dot com. And don't forget to give us a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and check out our website, fourcornerscrimecast.com. You can head over there for a full episode list or to send us any ideas for episodes you guys want to hear, which we need. We need them pouring in all the ideas. Send them this way. We'll send you a sticker. We'll send you a sticker. If you don't if you don't send us an idea, you can still get a sticker. Go to our merch store, type in the code Bingo Bango, get your free sticker. And don't forget, don't don't deny, don't reject. Just eat the fucking food that the fairies offer you. No, you're not supposed to eat the food. You have to, or else they'll take it offensively. But then you get stuck in Fey World. Rory said you have to eat the food. No, you're not supposed to eat the food that they offer you. You get stuck in fairy world. Not in fairy world. No, when we're here. When we're here, yes. You have to eat the food. that you. No one's going to fairy world. It's imaginary. Okay. See ya. Talk to you later. Adios, motherfuckers!